Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Studio, where we're gathering our lives through genuine conversations and gladly sharing them with folks around the world. As radio announcers, Liz and Tim believe there's something very special about being behind a microphone and letting their hair down. Sometimes people just need a reason to enjoy each other, either again or for the very first time. And we found plenty of others who feel the same. From artists, sports figures, and manufacturers, to filmmakers, authors, and media types, we all may know bits and pieces about a person, but there's always something more. So while we grab our headphones and turn up the mics, it's your chance to eavesdrop on yet another episode of Storyteller's Studio. Good afternoon, everybody. We're back in the Storyteller studio. This is no strange place to my next guest. Chris Tumalovitz is part of Dental Dimensions that is, what, four or five storefronts away from where we are here in the studio. And if this goes half as nice as our conversation in the parking lot about a week ago, <laughs> I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hello. Hi, everybody. Yeah. I'm really impressed that you could pronounce my name correctly. <laughs> well, it's because so, I, know, I know you through Scouts and Rotary, so I've yeah. had practice. So uh, people ask me, how do you say to me luggage? And I'll say, if it's like too much luggage, you're pretty close. <laughs> and the accents on love, to me love itch. To so to me love itch. Right. And well, for those that just... Hard. Never conquer it. It's Dr. T. Dr. T. Yeah. yeah. It just is so, what it is. Right. And, uh, and Chris with a K. And we have known each other on several levels for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. But how long have you had Dental Dimensions? Because you originally started out with Ted Greenlee. Uh, actually, I, I hired Ted after we had been at uh, State Street for quite some time. So in 1980, I moved up to Rockford. Okay. And uh, prior to that, I graduated in 77 from Southern Illinois University Edwardsville Dental School. And so from 77 to 80, I worked for a dentist in DeKalb. And so that's where I met my future wife, Patty. Uh, She went to DeKalb High School a few years before Cindy Crawford did. But same same school. Is she a barb? A barb. Wow. They they invented barbed wire down in DeKalb, so that's their mascot. And, you know, she grew up just like most of DeKalb high school kids with uh, detasseling corn in the summer and all that kind of stuff. Sure, of course. But uh, she she actually went to grade school in Rockford, and her dad was uh, at Muller Pinehurst, a dairy man. He was a milk man. And then he got a promotion to open up a new dairy in DeKalb, and so that's why she was in DeKalb there for... Uh, those few years. Wow. And so we met. And just by happenstance, at the end of my three-year contract, I signed a covenant not to compete, so I could not open a dental office in DeKalb. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to move at least 15 miles away. Mm-hmm. And so well, where do you go? Genoa, Kirkland, Fairdale? Probably not. How about Sandwich? Um, sandwich, <laughs> Waterman? No, we, went to, we came up to Rockford. Oh, nice. And you know what? Prior to that, the only thing I knew about Rockford was Cherryville Mall and Swedish American. The, the poorest marketing city I've ever heard of, just putting their light under a bushel basket, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I came up to Rockford, and I, lo and behold, I, I couldn't believe how many people were up here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like 150,000 population, right? We, yeah. were, we were the second city. Yeah. Nobody knew, but yeah, yeah, Rockford was the second city outside of Chicago. We were winking in the dark is what it's, we were doing. It's, it was just <laughs> something I couldn't believe that. I, I, I hadn't really noticed much about Rockford except going up to Cherryville Mall, uh, maybe visiting somebody at Swedish American. And then they had a ski store called Ski Rack. Mm-hmm. And so I would come up to Rockford for that because they had a DeKalb store as well, but the one in Rockford was a little bit bigger. So Patty and I were in this club called the uh, DeKalb Ski Ears, like the ear of corn. Yes. And so they had a ski club. And so we happened to be on the same bus going up to Michigan. And on that ski trip, that's where we met. Oh, my. And she thought I was some Michigan guy. She didn't even know. So when I showed up on the bus, you're on the bus? Yes, I'm going back to DeKalb, And you guys have been skiing ever since. Yeah, we've been skiing. All of our kids have skied since the age of two. So uh, it's just kind of like a a nice family thing to do. And uh, we we met skiing. We even got engaged skiing out in Lake Tahoe. Wow. And then when it came time uh, for the nuptials, we thought, we're not getting married on the ski slope. Let's (laughs) let's just have a, a traditional 
wedding. That, that would be a, so over the top, yeah. and you're never over the top. No, no. no. That, that, even that would be beyond my comfort zone. So, <laughs> so we got married in a nice Polish Catholic church right here, St. Stanislaus, where we just had Did Polish Did you fast. really? Most so, people can't pronounce that 30, either. <laughs> 39 years ago. Wow. Yeah, 39 years consecutive. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So in 1980, uh, I had a, a job offer to come up to Rockford and open up a dental facility. And the same day, Patty opened up a travel agency at the Clock Tower Inn, August 1st, 1980. Whoa. Two places, two businesses, brand new. And we thought, well, if we're both moving to Rockford, well, we might as well get hitched. Wow. That's a lot to bite off. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was kind wow. of like a kismet or fate, right? Yeah. So, and we've been a day ever since. So that's pretty, pretty interesting. So that would be... A good example of serendipitous. Yes. That's a yes. word that uh, Ken DeCoster likes to use. Yeah. Uh, almost as much as ubiquitous. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, you know, he's, he's showing off when he yeah. does that. He, 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 he really is. does. He is, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so we were on State Street next to the Rockford Health Club. I remember from that. From 1980 uh, all the way up to 97. Okay. And I had five or six doctors at... All, all times. So we were working evenings and Saturdays, and it was it was it was like a three ring circus for dentistry. We mm-hmm. were very busy, and so in 1997, Edgebrook approached me and said, "Why don't you get a little bit more upscale location mm-hmm. and come here?" And I thought, well, that might be nice because I was getting a little bit older, and I was thinking maybe I would like have more of a boutique style cosmetic oh, dental practice. Yeah, sure. And so we've been here since '97 now. Love it. And they also had room in the lobby for your grand piano. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, everybody could offer that. <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm up to three white pianos now. Are you really? I've got one one at my house and one at my office. And then the third one I had at the Metro Center in the lounge where, where the ice hogs play. Oh, yes. And I thought, well, that's not a very good place for a piano. Okay? Yeah. But what was cool about having the piano there is uh, opening night, 2007, when the Rockford Icehawks debuted in the American Hockey League, Mm -hmm. Emily Bear played my white piano on the ice. No way. Yes. And she was just a little girl back then. Of course. And she would say, "Uh, Dr. T, is it okay? I'm going to play the Star Spangled Banner uh, in a key with five sharps. Is that okay with you? (laughs) I go, oh, yeah. Make it more sophisticated, more elegant, the better. Yeah. And so she did. (laughs) And what we did is we had a contest – the uh, troops and packs of scouting, mm-hmm. whoever brought the largest group would get to be the color guard. And Whoa. so, so this, uh, this uh, troop out of the western suburbs, like maybe Crystal Lake or McHenry, they had over 100 scouts oh. on the ice while she was playing the national anthem. Wow. So that was a pretty cool thing. Wow. So uh, there really wasn't a lot of room for, for that piano uh, in, in, no. the, in the background. So we ended up uh, donating it to Monetisi, and so it still sits there now. Nice. And I've, so, I've got a uh, piano story that just happened three days ago. You may or may not remember Kelly Ryan on WROK. When I was there in the mid-'80s, she did mid-'80s. In fact, I took her place when she moved up to Minneapolis. So I went up to visit her. We had a great time, and she had never been to Paisley Park. And she's asked friends to go, and they go, eh, we don't have any interest, any interest. And she's going, son of a bitch, come on, man. I'm in Minneapolis, and I'm not going to Paisley Park, and I've been up here 20 years. I said, I'll go with you. So halfway through, they bring us into Studio A, and there is a purple piano with a gorgeous material purple stool. The tour guide said that is the third purple piano. Now, it's the same piano, but Prince liked a particular shade of purple. He sent that back three times in order to get the right shade. Yeah, I don't want lavender. I don't want periwinkle. I want it just right. Yes, yes, yes. So white was a lot easier for them to match than purple, obviously. And the neat part about this is they don't let you chew gum or take pictures or anything they put your phone in a yonder bag if you've heard of Mm -hmm. those okay so we get into studio a and they've got an x on the floor and they've got a great big you know uh, floor to ceiling picture of prince that had some significance and then the piano in the background so they said okay give us the usb that you got at check-in which is a purple usb we'll stick it in the computer stand on the x we'll take groups uh, you know pictures of your groups and individuals and however you guys want us to do that and while we're taking the pictures of other people you guys can go on the other side of the studio and play ping pong if you want and we're going ping pong 
He says, yeah, Prince loved to play ping pong. So here we are in Studio A at Paisley Was Park. Was it a purple ping Kelly? pong table? No. No, that's where they missed <laughs> Look it. Look at the alliteration. Yes. Purple ping pong. Yes. So... So here's Kelly and I in Minneapolis playing ping pong in the studio of Prince. But what they did have, you know, traffic cones, parking cones? Sure. They're not orange. They're purple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That cracked us up. I mean, you're pulling in. You go, really? And, of course, that was just the beginning of the purple day. But we had a fantastic time. And I bet I haven't seen Kelly in 10 years. At WROK's 90th was the last time we saw each other. And we just had a wonderful time. So anyway, she it's was amazing. The the litany of people that got their start in Rockford. Yes, that are out there now. Yeah. So a year ago, I went to the uh, celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe, okay. where it's a, a fundraiser. And Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Coach Nagy was there. Whoa! And there was a, a guy that used to be on Channel 13, that is now on Fox. He's an anchor on Fox News. Well, not Mike Robinson. <laughs> he, he's a national I, guy on Fox, and why can't I think of his name? I can insert it later, because I do not know of somebody from thirteen. So, well, he was he was on Channel Thirteen. He he had his picture on the wall with uh, at Maria's restaurant with uh, then uh, Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush wow. when when Reagan was president, right? Wow. So anyway, I, I just yelled, hey, we miss you in Rockford. And hey. he says, that was 24 years ago. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that, you know, made it big. Yes. And uh, we, we have other folks that have gone up to Milwaukee or Madison or, well, do, do you or ever... even Cincinnati. You know, like Austin Love is in Cincinnati now. He just had his wedding out there. Yeah. He was on Channel uh, 13, I believe. Uh, Lowry is a Green Bay Packer. I can't remember his first name. Dean Lowry. Yes. Yeah, he was a classmate of, of my daughter's at Boylan. Oh, my. Yeah, so, and, and then, of course, we had Jake Smolinski, which mm-hmm. is you know, with the Oakland A's. Yep. Fred Van Vliet, of course, for yeah, the NBA. Yeah. So we have those uh, three bobbleheads at Ice Hogs games. So we had. <laughs> Did you just Lowry. call Fred Van Vliet a bobblehead? <laughs> yes. And then he came up with his own bobblehead, which has got a recording in it. And it says. Hey, it's you, Rockford. It's you for you, baby. No. Yeah, because that's that was his interview. Yeah, of after course. They won. Yes. The uh, NBA championship with the Toronto so so Raptors. Cool. So when you push the button, uh-huh. that little bobblehead speaks to you. Now, do do you remember the wagon wheel? Uh huh. Okay. They, they had the Cardinals that would play hockey there. Yes. And it mysteriously burned down two or three times. It it did. <laughs> yes. But they had bowling alleys. They had big dining rooms. They had hotel facilities. They had all kinds of stuff, and including the ice rink. And my grandfather was maybe in his late 70s, and he would take us up there to go ice skating. I never was really good at ice skating. But one time he says, we're going to go up here, and we're not going to ice skate, but I want to still take you up to the wagon wheel. I go, okay, fine, I'm a little kid. And he says, you see that girl? You see her? Watch her. She's really good. That is one of three people I want you to remember their names. Janet Lynn. Janet Lynn. Of course. And later on, the next one was Johnny Carson. He introduced me to The Tonight Show. And the next one after that was Judy Ford from Belvedere, who won Miss America in 1968. Yeah. Yeah. So think of some other famous people that uh, were from Rockford. On Perry Mason, you had Barbara Hale. Oh. Okay. She played the character Della Street. Susan St. James. Susan St. James. She was on Mm -hmm. Macmillan and Wife Mm -hmm. with Rock Hudson. In radio, do you remember Jonathan Brandmeier? The name, sure. He got started at WYBR in the Cherry Hill Mall. Wow, 95.3 Yellow Brick Road. And then was it WLS after that? Uh, no, he went to KZZP in Phoenix oh, and yeah. a couple a couple other places. But the last time that I remember him landing was on WGN. And then he went the way of like Gary Meyer, where they put him sort of like on a sub-internet something or other. <laughs> and it, they called it WGN Blue. Because oh, back they, then, that yeah, was pretty... because every so often a dam or a hell would come out. <laughs> oh, man. So, who was the Man Mountain Walker guy? Uh, Bob Walker worked with me on WZOK. He was a morning guy, and he went into Q101 in Chicago, and he lived in Marina Towers. And, and who was who was famous for blowing up Comiskey Park? That would be Steve Dahl. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of Chicago, we now have. Three WROK and WZOK alumni going head-to-head for afternoon drive in Chicago. One is Lisa Dent on WGN. She was in the mid-80s at WZOK. 
Lisa Fielding, who is afternoons on WBBM. She was in the news department. Ken DeCoster hired her. And then also the guy that was the part-timer that had the afro and looked like Epstein off of Welcome Back, Cotter, uh-huh. is Joe Soto. Oh, yeah. Joe, Joe was a patient of mine when he was here in Rockford. Was he really? And so I just saw him recently at Ravinia. I believe it. He uh, introduced the band... It might have been Earth, Wind, and Fire, something like that. Oh, my. One of the best shows I've seen there. Well, Joe does afternoons on V103, and they compete for the afternoons. And the weird part about it is all of their studios in these gigantic buildings in downtown Chicago are literally across the street from each other. Wow. So, you know, a lot of times you hear a voice on the radio for years and years, Mm -hmm. and when you finally see their picture or in person, Mm -hmm. you're like... You, you don't match your voice. No. And Joe's a good example of that. He is. Short, little, white Italian guy, and he's got urban voice radio. Oh, he does. No. Yeah, and that's what he they does. called it back then, right? Was it called urban? Yes. Yeah. Urban? And then the format is still called urban contemporary. It's not R&B or anything like that. Yeah. That's and the format I, he has. I, I just can't believe that's you. And I remember as a kid growing up, I, I listened to Clark Weber on oh, WLS. Oh, sure. Yeah. And you know, when you finally see him... You know, just an aged bald guy. Just... <laughs> so um, are you familiar with NPR radio much? Not much, okay. really. So they no. have this show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Mm. And it's like 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Okay. And they, they actually tape it ahead of time. And one time they did it at the Coronado Theater. Oh, my. Okay, so you had a full crowd. And oh. they tape it about three or four days early. So it's still topical news. Yeah. So they still talk about like what happened. And then they have little skits and, and maybe a little limerick about it. Then they have contests about it. So people call in live, and then they play it again. But there's a full audience? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. And, okay. And it was very nominal to go see it, but it was so neat to see it in person as they're producing it. Yeah. So it's a one-hour show, and it took about 80 minutes to do it because after yeah. after it's done taping, they come back and erase the mistakes. Okay. Or retake a, a thing that maybe would have been a blur or okay. something. Yep. And so this this host comes out on stage, and he just stands there. And after about 30 seconds, he says, I know you guys have never seen me before. I know that my voice and my looks don't match. I just wanted you to take it all in. Yes, this really is me, you know. And so uh, Moraka is one of the guests on that show occasionally. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the loud lady that plays the accordion is sometimes on, on, that, on that show. So it's, it's very good. Wow. Uh, NPR radio. Uh, it's good listening. And another show uh, that was on there as well after that was Car Talk with the Maliazzi brothers, okay. Clack the Tappet brothers, but one of them passed away. Okay. So, so, so they the still other one is still there. Oh, no, they... so they just have reruns. Oh, gotcha. But I was, I was so inspired by Car Talk that I started something on the radio called Tooth, Tooth Talk. Talk. Yeah, and now and we're so, going to blend right so, into that WROK stuff. And that, was, and that stuff. was my first experience with electronic media, hmm. where I would go to the old brick studio at WROK, mm-hmm. and we had another studio on, on the south side called WRRR. Yeah, WRR. Okay. It was on yeah. Sunday Hollow, Hollow, where that group course, is now. Yeah. And so uh, we, we did commercials there, and I got to see them... Uh, record and edit my commercials okay. where they took scissors and scotch mm-hmm. tape yeah. and would take like a 35-second commercial yeah. and then squeeze it into 30 yeah. seconds. China markers, so and like, you got to put it in so the So like germ. if I swallowed or took a breath, they said, don't worry about that. We'll just get rid of that. Yeah. And so so that's where you get the, the, the voice that goes 30 seconds without a breath. Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, man, how do you get that all out? And it's so much easier to edit now. Oh no grease gosh. pencil, no razor blades, yeah. no troughs, no nothing. And we relish in that because we can just do it so quickly. Right. Yeah. But the old timers that are still in town. I know. They appreciate I, it so much more. I know. Because look how nice it is now. I know. You know, my brother is a graphic artist, for example, and he does advertising. And one of his biggest jobs he did for Leo Burnett was he came up with the Rice Krispies box. No way. So he had to draw Snap, Crackle, Pop. And they wanted like a more hip version. Because yeah. it was like kind of getting a little dated. Yeah. So he did 80 cereal boxes with pencil and paper. As in for proofs? Yes. For them to approve? And to pick the one they liked the best. And each was a little different? Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. So a little edgy, but not too edgy. You know, a little traditional, but, you know, not, yeah. not too old-fashioned. And, but that's, that's what we had back then. 
cut and paste yeah. with scissors and tape, yeah. you know, not on a computer mouse. Hence the name. There, yes. You know, people now are saying, well, where'd you get that weird name? Yes. It's because that's what you did. Okay. Think of, <laughs> think of uh, phrases like, be kind, rewind. Oh, Our yeah. kids don't know v- what that means. VHS and, and betas. Yeah, I, I had a Betamax player. Yeah. Oh, I had what? a Betamax player when I went to Charleston, West Virginia, that had a remote, but it had a cord. Oh, sure. So it ran the whole length of the living room in behind the couch and everything else. Be, oh, God. It was and embarrassing. It, and we were talking about vinyl records a little bit off the air. And, you know, you've got to stop and turn them over. Mm-hmm. So even in college, I had a reel-to-reel, a Pioneer RT-707. Ooh, I still have it. Nice. And talk about wow and flutter. Oh, man, you got a lot of that. Yeah. The tape stretch out <laughs> after a couple hundreds of playing. But you could put a little silver foil at the end of that tape and it would repeat and rewind and go back and forth so we had two tracks forward then two tracks backward and so it would just play indefinitely wow so for college parties chris's room was the place to go you were high tech oh, yeah. that was very cool wow and so when betamax came out it was about the same time as mtv and i would just record mtv and you could have four and a half hours of uninterrupted music on your Betamax Hi-Fi. And the fidelity was so good. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and for some reason, Sony just blew that chance and lost to RCA and VHS. Oh, my. Because we were a VHS world after that. Wow. Let's go back to Tooth Talk. Yes. Was it ever pre-recorded and played later or because i always remember you coming in it was live. and doing live yes so they had rush L- limbaugh mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock mm-hmm. i always called it rush lumbar okay so i said i hope you enjoyed rush lumbar now and then i also had uh, laura schlesinger oh yeah and i would be like somewhere in between those two yeah is that a call from laura right now or is that larry king hello detroit <laughs> no it's over there on the chair chris I thought you hit your volume, though. Okay. No? Then, yeah, go ahead. Hi, Jessica. We were playing phone tag. I'm glad, I, I'm glad she kind of called me. Sure. For the weekend. Never let it be said that Chris Tumalovitz is not always wheeling and dealing and taking care of people. Uh-huh. Seriously. You've always got something going on. This is outside the radio, and we'll jump back into that, but so I have to ask you. Your plate's always, like, just somewhat full. It's never mm. really totally full. Mine or yours? Both. Well, we always put more on there. Yes, but lately, do you remember the Top Hat restaurant? Yeah. On North 2nd Street. We love going there. Every time you go into that buffet, your plate would be overfilling because everything was fantastic. My life right now is the Top Hat restaurant on your first plate. That's what it feels like. Do you remember Warsaw Inn? No, I remember the they name. They have off-track betting there now. I just remember the name. So it was right on State Street across from Rockford College. But they charged you... For anything left on your plate. So meat was 50 cents. Uh, salads and, and like starches were like 35 cents. And jello and stuff like that was 25 cents. So they encouraged you, always come back for more. Right. Always take a clean plate. Don't do like Mount Edgebrook. You know, just, yes. just a yes. normal size plate. And they had so many kinds of really good Polish food, like what my grandma would make. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you wanted to go back because I wanted to try it all. But it's that whole but, thing, speaking of grandmas, the grandmas used to say, take what you want, but eat what you take. Yes, exactly. Yes. No so, kidding. So I, I went to Seoul, Korea a couple of years ago for Rotary, and you have to eat everything on your plate. It's so uh, rude to leave food on your plate. Hmm. And I don't know if you like kimchi and all that stuff that they serve over there, but none of it's edible, okay? So I just had a (laughs) tablespoon of everything, and it was the hardest thing to finish that. It's like eating monkey brains. And Yeah, and then, you know, you come back to to America, it's like, wow, I lost 12 pounds. That's great. (laughs) That's because I can't stand the food. You've been starving. (laughs) I got to ask you, this is off track, but I have to ask you, how was Dyersville, Iowa, a couple weeks ago when... It was everything we expected and more. In French, they have a saying, la niepe, mm-hmm. which means everything you expected and a little extra, like the mint on your pillow. Oh, You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. everything is great. Oh, and they gave me a little mint on my pillow. Yeah. Or I would come back to my stateroom on, on the, the Greek cruise that I was just on, and they had like shrimp and cheese and crackers on the plate Hello. for me. That you didn't yeah. order? No, exactly. Just... It's just a little bit extra. Whoa, you know? so you gain that 12 then, pounds and back? Then, and then they, well, this was a different cruise. Right? Okay. And so then then they even decorated our room for happy anniversary. You know, blue uh, disco balls and all that stuff, you know. This is Greece? 
On the cruise. Okay. So I was, I was on right. a, like a nine so, day cruise. So what were some of the things that they did where they were over the top that the major league baseball did with Dyersville? So the movie set is mm-hmm. totally wide open. You can run the bases, you can play catch. Okay. Uh, the bleachers are still there. You can see where they engraved Ray loves Annie. Oh, you know where Ray Kinsella? Yeah, of course. Did that in, uh, you get three people to do the wave. Yeah, like yeah, they did in the yeah, movie, yeah. Right? Do you go in the and house? That was off limits. Okay. I think some VIPs were on the porch, but I couldn't get inside the house. Okay. But um, the the merchandising was great. They had MLB made, uh, merchandise, but then they had regular Field of Dreams merchandise. Nice. Know? So we got a little bit of all of that because you got to have some swag to bring home. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, DeKalb uh, Egg had a stand, free corn on the cob, dipped in butter, you know. Hello. Just as much as you want. So that wow. was pretty cool. Did you go through the corn maze? So we go through the cornfield, mm-hmm. and they had cutouts, six-foot-tall cutouts of all the players from the Reds and the Cubs. <laughs> so, I mean, even David Ross, the coach, they were all inside the cornfields, just barely inside, so you could stand next to them and get a picture. That's hilarious. And then they had speakers everywhere playing the soundtrack from the movie. Oh, is this my is this heaven? Uh, no, it's it's Iowa. <laughs> or if you build it, he will come. You know, like they just had just that. Kind of, that so, it, so it was like Disney sort of, where yeah. they have things in and the then bushes. It was all lit up. So after the game, you weren't walking through total darkness. It was very surreal. Wow. And so we were getting videos of each other appearing and reappearing and disappearing <laughs> out of the corn. And it was pretty cool. And you and, know what's so funny? We could do that anytime we want to here in Rockford. Well, of course. Anytime we want to. And they planted it, you know, all by GPS, you know, so oh, everything yeah. is nice. And, yeah. But right at the home run fence, they even planted those by hand to make sure they were just right. Wow. And they had to plant them early enough because they wanted everything to be seven foot tall or more. Yeah, of course. Because you want to be disappearing when you walk into that corn. Yeah. I can remember so, the first corn maze they did for last year's game. What was it? The White Sox? Did they play the, the Yankees. Yankees? Okay. And, and, and the it, home run, a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth for the White Sox. Yes. But, it, but the corn maze was the MLB logo. And this year, they did the corn maze of the old, old, old Cubs logo and the old Cincinnati Reds logo. Oh, how cool. So I've got a piece of trivia for you. Who was the MLB logo patterned after? The MLB logo? Who is it patterned the guy, after? The, 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 the guy holding the bat on his yes. shoulder. Yes, White on a blue background. Yes. Minnesota mm. Twins. Yeah. Harmon Killebrew? Yes, sir. Wow. And do you know who the NBA logo was patterned after? Los Angeles Lakers. Jerry West. Very good. Yeah. You get a star. Because because I'm old enough to know those names. (laughs) So guess who threw off the first pitch? Uh, Who threw off the first pitch where? For this last game. A Cubs veteran. Uh, uh, Fergie? Fergie Jenkins. People didn't know he was from Canada. Yeah. He's a Canadian. He could have chosen hockey very easily to baseball. But he's older, and so he didn't even stand on the pitcher's mound. He stood in front of the pitcher's mound. Did he really? And he's still... Bounced it in, one bounce. And who was the catcher that caught it? Cincinnati. Oh, so Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench. Wow. That was so cool. That and I'm just getting great. shivers just talking about it. That is so, great. And then they had a little skit at the beginning before the game started, a father and son playing catch on the video board. So then the adults came out of the cornfield, Ken Griffey Jr., Throwing to Ken Griffey Sr. Yes, but I didn't so, know they did a video thing ahead of time. Yeah, because they had actors playing, oh. you know, a, a young father and, gotcha. and a young boy. Gotcha. So it, it was done well. And then they had Vin Scully, a nice tribute yes. to him, you know, who just recently passed away. And then in the movie, Shoeless Joe Jackson mm-hmm. was played by the actor Ray Liotta. That's right. Who just passed away in May. That's right. They and tribute so, to him too. And so um, Kevin Costner who wasn't there in person, he did a video tribute. Very nice. And it was very, very touching. And so they were replaying the video where they're doing batting practice, and he's throwing the pitch to his father, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And he hits the ball, and it comes back and hits that bag of balls and knocks Ray Kinsella off his feet. Yeah. It says, that wasn't a stunt. That just happened, oh. and they left it in the movie. Oh, it nice. It was too good. They, they, <laughs> they kept it in there. Nice. So he says... That's kind of a nice thing that, that God gave us Ray Liotta, and now Ray Liotta's back up to heaven. 
playing baseball very forever nice. up there. Wow. So it was very touching. It was 8,000 fans with their hearts in their throat. Wow. Yeah, it was very cool. I, and, and, you know, I'll tell you, as a viewer, Fox and Major League Baseball did such a good job that it came through the TV. Yeah. And you felt the coolness Regardless of how people are going to describe it or whatever, you just felt it. And boy, for them to do that on television, it, it takes some professionalism. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was well done. And they had the sun you know, setting right behind home plate. Yeah. And then it was a full moon. So the moon was rising <laughs> over right field at the same time. How much did they pay for all that? Because <laughs> that's like a wedding planner. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it, was, it was incredible. They had the corn just right. They had the moon just right. And food and beverage was pretty good, you know, but the long lines, you know, that sort of thing that you have to live with. Yeah. 8,000 fans only. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't big. No. They're probably, but they only do it once a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're going to skip next year because they're going to remodel and probably make it bigger now. I didn't hear and that. And I hope, I hope they don't mess it up. Okay. Okay. But we were standing in line for food. And the conservation officers formed a little gauntlet saying, okay, everybody stand back. Who's coming? A celebrity? <laughs> Could be A-Rod. No. So A-Rod was coming out oh, to, was. To, to, to do his video, you know, because he was, he was one of the sportscasters, oh. Oh. the colored commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was coming by. Gotcha. Okay. So I thought that was kind of cool to just kind of see A-Rod, you know. Yeah. And then Like the ducks my, at the Peabody sort of friend, thing. <laughs> my friends had seats behind home plate. There's empty seats next to them. And all of a sudden, this guy sits down next to him. They send me a picture, a selfie. Oh, no. Frank Thomas. The big, no. The big hurt. <laughs> no he way. sat there for three innings with him. Did he take up and three it, seats? He's, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He, the, he was showing him his, you know, ring. Oh, yeah. Okay? And even his wristwatch was like a sundial, you know. <laughs> he's a big man. And apparently, he is maybe one of the principals that's buying up acreage there in Dyersville. Oh, so he might be part of that expansion. Who knows? Hello. Something. So, so that might be kind of cool. Wow. So they, they might end up playing some minor league games there. Who knows? You know, the Cubs have three minor league teams in Iowa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Triple A in Des Moines. Yeah. Uh, something in the Quad Cities area. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, and I don't know if they have something in Dubuque or not, but well, there may so, be a collaboration there so of some sort. It was, it was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Getting back to radio. Yep. Uh, we were talking about Tooth Talk. You also did a lot of Tooth Talk stuff on TV, you know. After I got, after I kind of like teethed a little bit on radio. Yes, yes. TV would have been and, a big jump, you know, yeah, live would, TV. It would have yeah. been. And, you know, between the radio and the TV and longevity and, and your success, you are sort of that advertising celebrity in Rockford, I sort of put you in the category of Al Grace and Bill and John Fisher and Dale Gustafson and Lonnie Presson. Scott for, Williamson. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, from uh, World. Yeah, who's, who's, the, who's the fellow that, uh, was it Scott Brighton? Scotty Brighton? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Brighton um, Motors, yeah. Who was? Oh, and I think sort of Fred Grody is the oh, today, brother. the today <laughs> version for of for the people. For the people, that's right. God forbid you cut that part out. So I was doing radio, and I was telling you I was sandwiched in between Dr. Laura Schlesinger and, and Rush Lumbar. Yeah, you know. Lumbar. And I was telling you like it could be in your brain, it could be in your teeth. This is this is tooth talk, and so that was a half hour show. Yeah. So you had to have content. Oh, so of course. We call it show prep. Yeah, well, right? yeah. Okay. Doug Some, McDuff knows nothing about show prep, but you and I do. I, I would bring 45 minutes of material just in case nobody called. Yes. Right? Because yes. sometimes you'd have a lean time. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, a lot of people did call in. It's live and you don't know. And so there was a guy with a gravelly voice, somebody that would call Doug McDuff at least once a day. And he, he would call in and he'd say, Oh, yeah, I remember. I, I, I had those implants. Yeah, they they put those implants in. I so, said, yeah, and he goes, it, it was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> well, thank you very much for, for saying that. But you That's weren't sure I, where he was but, going but with where that. Where were you going from that? Like, did they fall out? Did did, did, did you, your jaw come off? I mean, like, no, everything was fine. But there was a, a gratifying story that I still remember where a guy called up and said, well, Dr. T, I just, I don't know if you remember me, but but you saved my life. Whoa. And I said, really? And so he started talking a little bit, and I said, is this Tony? He goes, yep. So Come on. I discovered some oral cancer 
on his tongue. And so we had it treated. Dr. Babcock did the surgery. And and so here he is five, six years later doing well. If, If you hadn't caught that, was he might have been a, a gunner. Was he a regular customer and a, he was in a, for regular? Yeah, right. And so, wow. so oral cancer is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a killer. And people still smoke. They still drink. Yeah. It's, it's a strange healthcare environment that we're in. In our country, we somewhat abdicate responsibility for our health. Like we don't exercise. Mm-hmm. We don't sleep well. Mm-hmm. We don't eat like we should. We might smoke. We might drink. And then we expect our employer, like Chrysler should just pay for everything, yeah. right? No deductible, and I can just go to a doctor whenever I want. If I need a liver, if I need a kidney, no big deal. Okay. Yeah. Now, you take other countries, maybe like an extreme example would be like Scandinavia, mm-hmm. like in Sweden, everything, where everybody is always health conscious. Mm-hmm. You don't see many chubby people over there. Right? No. Okay. Because no. they're eating lutefisk and, yeah. and herring and <laughs> yeah. who knows what. But, but they're, they're into exercise, they're into being healthy. When you see a party at in the evening, there are no cars. Everybody comes by taxi because they know they can't drink and drive. You know, Holy if you cow. get DUI, one year, no driver's license. Wow. There's there's not two or three times where you're off. And the interesting part of all that that you just said about health and responsibility, if you put that over into let's say your automobile. And you say, well, geez, if I don't change the oil, if right. I don't change the tires, you know, it'll be okay. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's not okay, well, then somebody else will pay for it. The employer will pay for it. No, that doesn't yeah. work that way. And it's a throwaway society. We just trade in for another one. Yes. Okay. We used to have repair shops for VCRs. Well, we okay. still do Video okay. Lab, Mark Peabody. But, one. One. Right. But <laughs> the way we repair them now is we, we recycle them and go to Best Buy and get something else, yeah, right? Yeah, that's so, it. And it's been just kind of a throwaway society, but you can't throw away your teeth. You know, a patient told me, you know, the first two sets are free. The third set you have to pay for. <laughs> you might, you'll get your baby teeth, you'll get your permanent teeth, but then after that, you got to buy them. Okay? All these things, all these phrases need to be on T-shirts. Oh, yeah. And you need to set up a booth in the front oh. of Dental Dimensions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> May the floss be with you. There's another one. There's another oh, one. my God. Yeah, you got a yeah, million yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 Let yeah. me ask you, what year do you believe that you started, you know, uh, involving yourself with WROK? And also, who was your advertising rep? Is Phil Mordick a name that you would recognize? No. Phil Davidson, I recognize. Phil, Phil Davidson was, was my ROK guy. Okay. Phil Mordick was my TV guy. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so, Phil Davidson, believe it or not, was in this morning at 10 o'clock sitting in the seat you're sitting in. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. And he would be out there at Salvation Army time ringing the bell, mm-hmm. and he said, hey, bring your accordion at 10 o'clock. We're going to play oh. Jingle Bells. Or I play a Rustin Smoked a Rusty Chevrolet song, <laughs> you know, and we would have it just live on the air. Wow. Um, Do you remember Jim Mackey? I do. Okay. And then he had a co-host, Kathy. Kathy Hart? Is that her name? But they were together on B103. Well, Liz Wilder was also with Jim Mackey on B103 at one time. So, But this one was was the Kathy lady. Okay. And so we did a live remote at Dental Dimensions at Edgebrook, and he did his show on Laughing Gas. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy times. Yeah. It was something else. It escalated, obviously. Yeah, yeah. How am I feeling? I'm feeling really good. Yeah, this is good stuff, you know. And then a couple of years later, Dean Irvin did the same thing, oh. where where we did our live remote, where he was on on the Laughing Gas. Dean Irvin is yeah. still on Laughing Gas. Yeah, he is a goofball. Honest to God, he's wound up like an eight day clock. Yeah, and he's, we had to repaint this studio when he came in because it was just that nuts. It's like, dude, what what the hell did you drink? And it's not like. Alcohol, he doesn't drink alcohol, right. but it's like who IV'd caffeine into uh, you? Oh, god, it was so much fun! Yeah, it, and you know, then then he burns off some of that energy on the sidelines at the football games, you does. know, because he does the sidelines on that. So, so oftentimes I would be down there f- doing my dental spot on the field. You would shift and do stuff like yeah. that? Oh, well, we, we would do live remotes well, even from the Boylan football game. But you know, I'll yeah. tell you, I'll tell you. Because you can sponsor anything. Yes. Right? <laughs> that, well, that's not only true, but I think that uh, that helps with fresh content, right. which you know a lot of advertisers that when they're on and you, you hear either their voice or their company name, you go, all right, I know exactly what I'm in for. Yeah. And there's no freshness, but you fix that. And when I started uh, TV with Andy and Aaron in the morning on Channel 23, for years, 
maybe 15 years, we were live every Wednesday morning at 6.15. Wow. And so sometimes I'd bring the accordion in. I'd always talk about hockey or baseball because I would give away tickets, you know. Yeah. And people would call in, call her number 10 or whatever. Yeah. And then when my daughter started on Channel 23, they thought that might be a little odd having father and daughter in there at, at the same time. So mm -hmm. now I pre-record those. Okay. But now your daughter's not there anymore. Yeah, but it's funny. We're still pre-recording them. Are you really? So, okay. But nothing's better than live. Because if you record something that's going to play in three weeks, that sort of thing. And some of the rivets, if they made the playoffs, I didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs or not. I couldn't give away tickets for a game that may or may not happen. No, not in so, three weeks. So, no. So some of those things you're kind of limited. But it is kind of nice that in Rockford, it's a unique situation because we're big enough for TV and radio, mm -hmm. but we're small enough that small businesses can advertise. That's right. You, I could and never run a commercial like this in Chicago. No, and you've got some no lenience. So now, if you're in Crystal Lake or McHenry or Woodstock, you don't have this availability to you. No. Because those people don't listen to Rockford Radio. No, they're Channel or Rock, 9 or, or, or Rockford, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Rockford TV. Yeah. Now, so, you realize my son also works for TV 23 now, and he's a cameraman in the morning, so he's out with Aaron Wilson yep. all the time. In fact, they were here for the farmer's market just this last yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday was a good show. And just that fits exactly. Here we are years and years later, and that fits exactly what you just said, that you have the flexibility to go do something if you want to, if you can physically do it. And, you know, Eric's an Eagle Scout, so he's been up to his shoulder in God knows what, because yeah. that's just the way we do in camping. So they can't believe that he'll sort of ludge into a marsh with all this camera equipment. He's like, this is nothing. Yeah, I spent 92 days on a salmon oh, fishing yeah. boat in Alaska. This uh -huh. is nothing. Yeah. I tell people I was at Philmont Scout Ranch oh, yeah. for 14 days and 18 nights. <laughs> And a year ago, I took the scouts down to sea base. Did you really? And so we were at sea for seven days. Oh, my. I tell you, you wanted to kiss the ground when you finally got back on land. Yes. Uh, you said you had eight kids? Uh, we had uh, the captain and another adult and me. So we had two dads, a captain, and about nine scouts. Wow. On a, like a 42-foot catch. You know? God bless you. It, it was so cool. And we had the flag raising every morning. We had the uh, you know flag lowering wow. at sundown. And we didn't have a bugle, so I brought my harmonica. Did you? Yeah, because it's a lot smaller to carry. It beats a kazoo. <laughs> Trust me. Did you come back with everybody? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, you know, one time we were going somewhere and we had a brand new scout. He was 11 or 12 years old. This is in Troop 123. The mother drops off the scout. First time that he's ever been anywhere overnight. We were only going to be there Friday and Saturday night. You know, it's not like summer camp, not right. like a week. And you could tell that she was just so nervous. Oh. And you know how they are, right? Okay. And one of our older scouts walks up and he says, hi, I'm so-and-so. Oh, introduces to the, to the son. He says, we'll take good care of him, but I got to let you know. And he said it with the straightest of faces. We have a 10% rule that if we come back with, you know, 10% less scouts, we're still within regulation. <laughs> and she got all bug-eyed. It's like, I'm messing with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was pretty good. And he was, and he was one of our, as, as things progressed, he was one of our most energetic scouts and the one that accomplished so much so quickly. Yeah. He, he kept just, attention for oh, her. That he, was nice. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah, nice icebreaker. Yeah, so, so it was very my, fun. my experience with the sea base, taking him on that sailing expedition, and even more so Philmont Ranch, where you're hiking, you know, with 40-pound packs on your back, you know. Yeah. Uh, you leave town with some boys, and they come back young men. Mm -hmm. It's just like an amazing metamorphosis right in front of your eyes, how they develop so well. And, and the nice part about it is that can also happen on a smaller scale when you take these boys and you see them at the beginning of a week at Loudon or Canyon Camp, and at the end of that week, it's like, who is this kid? Yeah. So it yeah. happens in levels, I oh, think. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the thing about scouting is that you're, you're always getting advancements you know it could be a merit badge it could be your rank it could be maybe a, an officer in the troop so maybe your quartermaster and then sometimes your scribe or then maybe your junior assistant scoutmaster and then you know you go from tenderfoot to second class to first class to star life and then if you're lucky all the way to eagle mm -hmm. your son eric's an eagle scout yes. my two sons nick and mike are both eagle scouts the only thing harder than becoming an eagle scout is having your son become eagle scout <laughs> 
I was just going that? to finish that <laughs> sentence for you. Yeah. Because there is such a level of encourage them, keep them on track, and then you just don't want to step over that piss them off stage. Yeah. And it's it's tough because they're teenagers. Yeah. And, you know, when I was an Eagle Scout, you know, we had tin cans and string. That was kind of our communication, right? <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of competition for that. You know, we played maybe baseball or soccer. Yeah. But with TV and video games and all the different sports, yeah. and not just high school sports, but club sports, there's so much going on. So demanding, and, too. And, and we just let them know that there's still room for all that mm-hmm. because a scout is so organized when when they learn how to manage their time mm-hmm. they are are ready and if you have eagle scout on your resume mm-hmm. your employer is going to notice that yeah that sort of you comes know? out in neon at the bottom it, of the it, resume it, page it, it, re- it really does yeah there's been 12 astronauts on the surface of the moon 11 of them mm-hmm. are eagle scouts yeah and the flip side to that no coincidence who's the only eagle scout to become president of the united states gerald ford the only, the only one. one yeah i don't even clinton got out of cub scouts well wouldn't you <laughs> think that teddy roosevelt some Somebody, i mean look at what yeah. he did yeah. oh my goodness Rough writer. you know yeah. i do remember when we went to it must have been galena and, of course, there's 5,000 people yep. that just... The Grant Pilgrimage. Yeah, just pile into there. And I, I remember the younger scouts just so aggravated and grumpy that they had to leave their phones in the car. Oh, yeah. And, of course, these older scouts were once that way. And they go, no, it'll be fine, guys. It'll be fine. No, it won't. No, I can't believe they're doing this. And it was maybe, what, 15 minutes later? And they completely forgot. Forgot, yeah. Yeah, because they're on to something when else. When we were in Philmont, if you were like at the top of Mount Baldy or the top of Truth of Time, you might get a cell signal. You know, it's like literally like one-fourth of the state of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It is. Uh, donated by the Phillips Petroleum Company. I didn't right? know that. Phillips 66, right? No. So that's the Phillips Ranch. Wow. And so they basically gave that all that land to the scouts. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's desolate. And, you know, you're on like a 14-day a hike, or you could be on a seven-day cavalcade, you know, where you're on horseback. Yes. You want to be on horseback did, for seven days? Did you do that? No. Because I on... know how saddle sore feels on the second day. Yeah. You, you better be an experienced rider. Yeah. If, yeah, even riding your 10-speed two days in a row is a little bit tough. <laughs> I've been so, on horseback for three days, and that was enough for me. Yeah, So, um, but you're hiking, and what was really cool about this is that all the boys have a pack on their back, and it's everything, water, stoves, mm-hmm. uh, propane. Mm-hmm. You're carrying everything with you, tents, mm-hmm. mattresses, whatever. And so th- those are heavy. And we always tell them, an ounce today is a pound tomorrow. So pack light. Yes. You know. But after a couple of days, I would notice this kid has got a 50-pound pack, and this kid only has a 25-pound pack. They were bartering? The, the older fellas took some of the load because oh. they could see some of the younger, smaller ones were struggling, oh. and they were working hard at it. Wow. And one night, we were getting ready for camp, and it was late, and we still hadn't stopped for our nightly provisions and our food for the next day. Okay. So what do you do? So the two older scouts... It was uh, my son, Mike, and uh, Sean, and they just ran with four empty knapsacks while the, the younger kids were setting up camp, and then they came back with food in those four knapsacks. What, so, t- what they, time of the night and was they, this? And they figured this all out without any adult intervention at all. You know, you just kind of stand back and watch. So okay? what time did they take off? It was starting to get dusk, so <laughs> we knew. Thinking. So they probably had about two miles to get over off off course to where the provisions were, you oh know. My. And so, you know, you're on the trail, and there's maybe 10 or 20 variations, you know, because yeah. you could choose goat milking or black powder <laughs> musket shooting or archery. I mean, you can't do everything, but you, you, but you do a lot. Yes. And so in 14 days, you might do 36 activities, yeah. you know, as you're stopping along. But then you have to wait, get water out of the brook, let the iodine tablets dissolve and go, mm-hmm. wait 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know. I tell you, honestly, I think that's one of the most powerful things in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts especially, they give you the opportunity to try so many things. Sure. If you go back to archery because it looks sexy and you realize, oh God, I hate this, you at least tried it. Right, yeah. But it could turn into something incredible. 
And, you know, I've always got a camera with me, and I don't mean in a cell phone. I've always got a 35-millimeter camera, so I'm always taking pictures and stuff like that. Well, this one kid sort of kept following me around as we went to summer camp. He's from another troop. And finally, he said, after like day two, he says, can you teach me how to do this? I said, sure, absolutely. So we advanced through NYLT, the National Youth Leadership Training, and I got to know him, Tanner Elliott, pretty well. He was uh, sitting next to me one time at some kind of a ceremony, closing ceremony or something, and I'm taking pictures. And he's sort of talking to himself. He's not talking to anybody around him. And he goes, God, if I only had a camera. God, and he was just sort of pissing and moaning to himself. He goes, if I only had a camera, oh my God, the things I could catch. So I had an old Rebel XTI or something like that. And I called him up and I says, hey, Tanner, are you home? And he goes, yeah, yeah, is your mom or your dad there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, hey, I got something for you if, if you're going to be there for a while. So I went over and I says, I want you to have this. Oh, wow. And the mother goes, what do we owe you? And I go, nothing, absolutely nothing, because I sat next to your son during the closing ceremony. So trust me, he will use it. Mm -hmm. He turned out to be the photographer at Philmont. Whoa. In maybe so he knows about f stuff three years. He oh, knows yes. about shutter speed. Yes. he knows he knows about yeah, all that stuff. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, it it was really cool. Good, good kid. I mean, just a really good kid. So there, there's an experience there that is going to stay with him forever. Absolutely, and it it will follow him yes. into his professional career. Yeah. Um, as the scouts get a little older, there's something called exploring. Mm -hmm. You sure. can be an explorer scout, and it's co-ed. Mm -hmm. It has, has always been co-ed. And so I was the post advisor for dentistry. Okay. We've got a post for legal, like where they can learn about being attorneys, firefighting, paramedics, don't, medical. Don't they have a post out at Sunstrand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have posts every and also Woodward Governor. Nice. So they get kind of like an internship to just get a taste of it, to see what it's like. And I had maybe in two or three times, maybe 20 uh, high school kids went through my Dental Explorer post. Okay. And whenever they would see spit or blood, ugh, God, I could never do that, right? <laughs> but one kid, valedictorian at Lutheran High School, He's a dentist now in Minnesota. Oh, my. And a girl that was at Auburn High School, she's now a dental hygienist. Those two learned about dentistry just by coming after school to hang out with me at Dental Dimensions. And now that's their career. That's, Isn't that cool? That is so, so, so good. So I touched two of those people in a positive way, and then everybody else scared them away. And it was that, that's <laughs> kind of like what... It should be like yes, it's okay? exactly. Because you don't want to go go to be, uh, be a chiropractor, get out of school, and find out I don't like this. Yeah, you know, well, and the other ahead of time. and the other side to that. Let's say somebody has has an interest in something, and then of course the parents are going, "Oh God, the only way for this kid to know whether he likes it or not is this going to cost me five hundred dollars in equipment, whatever it oh, happens yeah, yeah, to be, sure, yeah. surfboards, camera, doesn't Hockey matter what, equipment. yeah, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. And then all of a sudden, eh. They don't like it. Hey, they do it a year, and then that's it. And then now what do I do with it? That's a nice part about scouts or the Explorer programs you're talking about. They've already got the equipment. All you have to do is step in, and yeah. if you don't like it, you leave right. it. Exactly. You're done. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And kids will surprise you. You know, my, uh, my two sons that were scouts, the first one wanted to do karate, and after about two or three belts, he got tired of it. <laughs> Okay, so then when his when his brother wanted to do it, I thought, oh yeah, 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 whatever. And now Mike is a second degree black belt, Whoa. roundhouse kicking, breaking boards left and right. It just surprises you what your kids will do, right? Wow. And Danielle was a ballerina, an ice skater, a fierce soccer player. Okay, more fierce than her two brothers ever were on the soccer field. I thought college scholarship. Okay, then she got to Boylan. She wanted to be a cheerleader. Well, there's no cheerleader scholarships available, right? But they'll surprise you. And then she went on to be uh, Miss Illinois, Miss Photogenic for the Miss Illinois pageant, for teen pageant at McCormick Place. Wow. And then after a few years as a runner-up, she finally got Miss Winnebago County Fair Queen in her last year of eligibility. So Whoa. very cool. And then it was just, just leapfrog right into TV. And people that have known her for a long time, they're going, yeah, that's the rough and ready soccer oh, player that's yeah. up there like oh, that? Yeah, yeah, now she's discovered mascara and eyeshadow. Yeah. <laughs> There's something I'll about when your daughter starts putting that makeup on, it's like, whoa. <laughs> I'll tell you, when, uh, when Eric played five years at football at Rockford Christian, and he wasn't really sure if he wanted to go into football. And I said, well, okay, before you do this, before you take the big dive, 
I said, let's take you down to Northern Illinois University. I'll take you to a game. You'll sort of get a feel. We'll do some uh, tailgating and so on and so forth. He ended up seeing his future assistant coach with his father, who was Eric's old fifth grade teacher, and the grandfather. They all went to Kansas State, and that's who NIU was playing. NIU beat Kansas State, so Eric went back Monday morning with some bragging rights, and of course he went on with football. So here it is, maybe his junior year, I'm guessing something like that. And of course, he's on the front line. He's sort of a bigger kid, and he's maybe, you know, six foot one, something like that. And, <laughs> you know, you get all squared off, and you look up against that guy across the, and you see mascara. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa. And I go, Eric, what did you do? And he goes, Well, it took a little bit to sink in, but he says, You know, I treated her exactly as I would a guy, because if I didn't, that would be a bigger disrespect oh, to her. Sure. Yeah. 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 And so she clocked me a couple of times. Oh, man. Yeah. But it gave a good story. So that's the football so, mascara thing. Even even on the front line. Oh, yes. So over at Belvedere, they were playing uh, Belvedere North against Belvedere Bucks. Oh. And it was brother against sister. The sister was kicking for the, the thunder, and wow. the son was on the uh Kick, uh, defending team, you know, the run, running back team. So she kicked, she, she was just a kicker, field goal kicker and, yeah. and place kicker. So yeah. she kicks the ball and the runner is making it all the way back and she's trying to catch this guy yeah. and her brother just laid her out, <laughs> just knocked her off her feet. And the dad's going, yeah, way to go. And the mom's like, I can't believe you did that to your sister. <laughs> But I'm in front of everybody else, so oh, yeah. I had you, to sort of take the did option. You, did you have to cream her that way? I mean, oh, it is your own sister. Oh, God, that is lot. funny. I'm sure he was looking forward to that. <laughs> Boy, we have gone down quite a few rabbit holes, haven't we? Because uh-huh. this started out with radio. Oh, yeah. But we went to cruises and Boy Scouts and yeah. uh, explore. Oh, God, that's been that. I really yeah. appreciate you coming in. Oh. And it all started with us running into each other in the back parking lot here at Edgebrook. And we had maybe, what, a half-hour conversation at the dumpster? By the way, how'd you do at golf that day? Because you were heading up to a golf course. Yeah, we had a nice nice little tournament going. Yeah. So, uh not not maybe personal best, but something that you wouldn't be embarrassed to let people know. If you can break a hundred, that's okay. Okay, yeah. Right. As long if, as you have fun. If you write down one seventeen, nah, you don't want to share that too much. <laughs> but if you can go ninety two or eighty nine, I've had a couple of eighty fives, but most times it's ninety something. So let me, yeah. and you got to be honest with me on this. When you were at the shooting range at Boy Scouts, doesn't matter what you were shooting. Did your sons or you, at any point in your career, did you take the target and hang it up in your garage at home? Oh, the one that's already spent? The, the one that you shot? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. How can you not? Yeah. And I was quite a sharpshooter with the twenty two. Yeah. And now I have a shotgun so I could do uh, you know, clay targets, either trap or skeet. Those are fun. And coming up in September is a big Boy Scout fundraiser where we do sporting clays, mm-hmm. where you go to like 15 stations. Yes. And each one has about seven or eight clays. And it's kind of like golfing with a shotgun. It is. Because you're going from one hole to another to another. I, I used to run and, the stations. Yeah. And yeah. so sometimes you have, uh, you know, left and right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have them running against the ground like a, like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just sh- jumping up like a pheasant. But the cool ones are the ones that are like away from you, and there's one coming right at you. And if you don't hit it, it's gonna hit you in the forehead. You know, so I never knew that. And and that's an easy one to get, but you only get one chance. Yes, you do. And and it, and it, it is a blast. One of the things that that we're careful with scouting is that they know how to be careful with firearms. Yes, that's right. You know? From day one. Exactly. Now is that going to be at Loudon again? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a permanent course there now. And so we're even going to be opening it to the public. We had like a plumber's union oh. or a carpenter's union. They want to just rent the place for half a day. Nice uh, grub afterwards. Wow. So when I ran the stations, and I probably did it for about five years, you know, so I'm the guy that's pressing the button. And you have maybe four or five people come in, they shoot, and then another yeah. group of four or five people come right. in and shoot. So you're waiting for them to say pull. Yes. But if it's report pairs... Then sometimes what you do is you pull when the shot goes off. Yeah. So there's two targets up there at the same time. It's like, I only got two shells. I better yeah. make them good. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a learning curve on that. But anyway, all these people would come up because, you know, I had Skyward Promotions for 30 years and you have all these clients and I knew all these people in Scouts. So these people go, Tim, how you doing? I'd turn around. Well, they had all their hunting garb on. I had no who idea who guy? they were. No idea. <laughs> 
Yellow and glasses, I, yes. earmuffs. And hat. I know I had this blank look because so many people would have to say, I'm Brad or I'm Scott. I'm going, and then they'd start to take their hat uh, and their glasses off and they go, Scott oh. who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scott. Yeah, I had to go that far. Scott who? So anyway, it was it was really, really fun. And I just wonder if they still had that at Loudoun because I haven't been part of it in a while. Yeah, it's... it's uh, very sophisticated now. It's oh, very, very cool. Nice. So we used to have to lease a course, and now we have our own. Yeah. So it's in-house, so profit's better. We have good fundraisers there. Do you guys still have the pork producers involved? We still have uh, pork chop sandwiches for lunch. Okay. So we have the morning group. They stay for sandwiches, and the afternoon group comes early for the sandwiches. Nice. So they're a very good sponsor for us. And they used to be great sponsors for the Ice Hogs when we first opened in 99. How could you not be? Because <laughs> it's oink, oink, and it's pork, and, you know, and... Uh, so it's it's beer and pork. I mean, those are two two things that you'll see at a, at a hockey game, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, Chris, thank you for coming into the Storyteller Studio. This has really been fun. It's I really cool. It. I I really yeah. love the the layout here. It's uh, it's nice to see Edgebrook is hopping. We've got a lot of stuff going for everybody. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm happy to be a, a a good tenant here at Edgebrook. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us in the Storyteller Studio with Tim Larson and Liz Wilder, where everything begins with a story.